0: Why not, man? Let's get him in here. We've been chasing him for my goodness, Carmichael. How long have I been chasing you to get you on this show? Uh, the most current rendition of Speed
1: Freaks. How long has that been? Well, not. Come on now, don't get don't get on me too hard. It's been a couple weeks, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be on. Listen, uh, I didn't realize this, but the first one that I was ever on was what uh, the fourth episode. I think you told me stat. So uh, that's that's something I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that at the time. Hell, I probably wasn't paying attention, but, uh, you know what everyone, y'all have done a fantastic job, hence, uh, still on the, uh, interwebs airways, whatever, whatever the hell we are, uh, recording on, but, uh, it's, uh, I think we're all fortunate, right? Yeah, that's
0: a fact, man. And you look at that fourth shot, I've got the picture. And again, it was, it was, if you look back at that time, the first time you were in, on Speed Freaks, I think we're just on one station in Los Angeles at the time, Ricky. It was you and Vince neal Yeah, oh. look at that
1: man. I mean, you talk about a blast from the past. Wow,
2: he's got I enough mean, hair for all the rest of us, doesn't he? That's <laughs> that was a
1: good time. Yeah, and I remember that. That was at your studio in L.A. and. Mm-hmm. Man, that that uh, that is a that's a special picture. So, absolutely, yeah, man. So, I'm just hanging out here in Florida. It's a beautiful day. I'm pumped to talk to y'all, and uh, um, I I really have no complaints, man. I've been fortunate, and uh, here I am. What was that? So, what year was that? Was that 2001? Was that? That
3: would have been yes. That would have been July of 2001, maybe pushing August of 2001. And yeah, you had beaten McGrath. I believe that was the San Diego Supercross round of that year. And But there were still so many doubters. You were at a time right there, that summer of 2001. Granted, you're in motocross season. You're you're absolute prime in motocross. But there was so much still going on in your head, if I could remember correctly. How did you power through that? Because media (laughs) fandom is tough. And you learned that the hard way.
1: Well, certainly. And I definitely uh, I'm lucky that I didn't grow up in a world where the media is the way it is today. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. It took me two years. Uh, I won the championship, Supercross championship, Premier's championship and finally beat McGrath on my third uh, season of trying. Uh, man, it was tough, but. Again, I wasn't trying to beat any, no scrub, you know, you're trying to beat the king of supercross, the best guy that has ever raced supercross, uh, seven time champ and 72 wins. And he is the the leader by a long shot. So, uh, it was hard, but it was, it, you know, I just had to keep going. I had to keep going. And I know that that sounds silly and, and everyone always talks about it. You can never give up, but really that's what it was about. I think, it, you know, it goes to the roots of, of how I was raised as a kid. You know, you do it right or don't do it at all. And uh, and you never give up. You keep trying, you keep pushing forward. And that was that was really it. And I had had some success, you know, along throughout my whole career uh, as an amateur early on in my professional career. And really, that's all I knew. So I think that's another reason of why I was able to continue to 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 never give up outside of just the way that I was um, that I was raised from my parents, but i had always had that taste of success. So, uh, I, and I felt like, you know, there was, there was a good opportunity that I could eventually win and, and, and it happened, uh, just didn't happen as quick as I would have liked it to. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. But the outdoor season certainly did. I mean, your statistics are just bonkers when you finally beat, because again, media people, there's doubters and, oh yeah, he's got this, a supercross title now, but he still hasn't beat and yep. Ever. when yeah. you finally beat Everts in motocross donations, yeah. why didn't you just run off and, or ride off into the sunset? <laughs> why didn't you finally say, that's it. I've beaten everybody. There's no more doubters left. I'm good.
1: Yeah, because that's a great question. So the, the main thing is, is I, I didn't feel like I was done from a uh, personal standpoint and what I wanted to achieve as far as championship goes and and race wins and things of that matter. Uh, I was still pretty young at the time when I was able to beat Everts at the Motocross of Nations. So uh, that that's one reason why I still had a lot to go um I beat him early I would say midway through my professional career so I still had a lot of work that needed to be done and I really based it on um not who I beat Uh, my career, I was more, I'm I'm more happy uh, about what I was able to accomplish in the race wins and the championships. So to answer your question, just because I had beaten him and had beat everyone, all the, you know, some of the greatest that had has ever uh, thrown their leg over a motorcycle. I was more, I was more focused on, you know, championships and race wins rather than just, just, just people people that I was racing, because at the end of the day, I was racing myself, and uh, Mm. if I went out there and did the best that I could do, uh, I was, you know, I had a great chance of winning
2: races, which in turn wins championships. People who raced against uh, James Stewart, they say the same thing, that he was racing himself, and they didn't worry about him, because eventually he was going to win a crash. Did you have that same idea uh, about him, and did they have the same thing about you? Uh,
1: Well, certainly. I think... For a lot of rookies, and I I'd certainly don't want to speak for James on this behalf, but I think we both went through our rookie years of, you know, it was it was checkers or wreckers, uh, you know. But as the older that he got, especially uh, my final year in 2007, he had had two years or three years uh, in the premier class under his wings at that time, and so you could see like the rookie mistakes were starting to fade away; they weren't happening as often, so you couldn't rely on 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 JS going down, you know, he was, he was just going to beat you, you know, so, uh, you, you had to be better than him and, and hope for a little luck, especially in supercross, not necessarily so much for me in motocross, but he was just, uh, in a league of his own supercross, I think, uh, for sure. uh, I know for sure I depended on him wrecking earlier on in his career, uh, as a lot of people did earlier on in my career, Well, one, 100%, that's just part of the, that's part of the sport. And that's the growing pains that young rookies go through. So, uh, you, but you watch, you watch those riders continue to get better and improve on their mistakes that they have made in the past. I mean, I think of, of any any athlete, any racer, anything in life. You know, you want to you want to learn from your mistakes. I just think you see it a little bit more uh, in sports because you're competing so much. That uh, I think uh, I think everyone thought that I would crash, uh, and that's how they were going to beat me. And the same same with James. And and like I said, not just us two, but a lot of the rookies.
2: Yeah, you came along at a time. Uh, James, Chad Reed, McGrath. Yeah. There mm-hmm. were some of the legendary names in yeah. uh, Supercross in Motocross. You guys, yeah. and, and the champion was the guy who. Survived. Uh, they, yeah. when guys crashed and went out, then I gave room for somebody else. You guys, were there any ever any friendships in <laughs> any of that? Did you guys exchange Christmas cards or <laughs> go to
1: Thanksgiving? Uh, you bring together? you you bring up you bring up a great point. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to race against the best guys as far as stats go um, th- in, that have ever been in the sport. You know, Jeremy McGrath, king of Supercross. He has the most Supercross championships. He has the most Supercross wins at the in the premier class, 250 back then, which is 450 now. Uh, James Stewart, he was the second winningest uh, Supercross racer uh as far as race goes, not championships, um, uh, for a long time until he was surpassed by Eli Tomac. Then you got Chad Reed. He was like number three or four on the all time win list and supercross. So I, you know, I, I I was fortunate enough to come up through a time to where I got to compete against the best that had ever had, had ever done the discipline. So um it but we're to and, and so that was a great point, what you brought up. But then, were we were we friends? Uh, I think for myself uh, and James, we had always uh, had a mutual respect. Were we competitive? Hell yeah, we were competitive. Uh, but the mutual respect was there. Now you got to understand that, you know, James and I somewhat grew up together. I'm a, I'm several years older than him, but when we were racing these amateur races in Florida, you know, we would we I would see him every single weekend. So if I was in the 85 class and he was in the 50 season, or 60 CC class, I would, I, I would watch him, you know, you just see this young kid coming up and you knew, and he was the next generation after me. So you knew, uh, if he, he was continued to progress that, uh, he would be at the top step someday. So, um, our relationship was a lot different and much more personal in a, in a good way where, I mean, for Chad Reed, I feel like, uh, I mean, that that was one of my toughest competitors. Uh, there was no Christmas cards being uh, being sent. But at the end of the day, I, I do feel, I go back, we had a tremendous amount of mutual respect for each other. We raced each other hard. We wanted to kick each other's ass just as bad as the next guy did. Uh, as far as McGrath goes, um, I, I think it was a little different because I don't know if I ever, I don't know if it's fair to say that I raced him in his prime, prime Um, just because he's a fair bit older than I was he was still damn good but uh, in 2001 when I was able to beat him for the Supercross championship uh, I won a crap load of races that year I think 13 out of the 16 or 14 out of the 16 I only lost two races that year I believe and uh, he uh, it was just different like you know, he was so much older, and uh, the best of his years, I felt like, had surpassed him. Not not in a negative way, but it was just, it, it was different. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we didn't hate each other. We respected each other. I mean, I, I looked up to the guy. He was one of my heroes. I mean, that's just to show you the age difference. So, um, and he is the king of supercross. You know, it's like racing frickin' Dale Earnhardt Sr., you know, and when, you, when, when you're Jeff Gordon, it's like, how do you? It, it's a,
2: it's a weird scenario when you're racing someone you looked up to, right? When you reach the status, the legendary status, and I'm maybe taking some, uh, some excess at that, but when you reach the legendary status that you've reached in your sport, it, the challenge becomes, the most important thing. Uh, Kyle Larson mm-hmm. wants to race the double yeah you wanted to race the in nascar yeah what are the challenge that challenges that you had in front of you that that said turned your red mist and got you going and said i got to do that
1: <laughs> well i mean having a lot of success in the amateur ranks and then you great go from amateur to professional you're like okay well i've been this dominant kid in the amateur ranks All you really know is winning. So as you, at least for me, me speaking and how my approach was, uh, you know, I still wanted to win at the professional level. Okay. And then, and then like my goals are, man, if I could win a a professional title, that would be awesome. Uh, So then I was able to do that in my rookie season in 1997, the outdoor championship, Um, you know, so then the next year you go into 1998 and you're like, okay, well, I didn't win the Supercross championship in 1997, so I gotta do it now. And then that, that, that's what happens is like every single year you're like, okay, well, if I, if I hit this benchmark, I want to hit this benchmark next year. You just, you keep setting goals. And, and what I think is important Important is you set realistic goals, ones that you know, hey, they're challenging, but it's certainly capable. I'm capable of accomplishing that. I'd never set unrealistic goals. So that, that what
2: NASCAR uh, was for you to, I'm, I, I got to do this for myself, and that was a goal, and I got to be successful at that level as well.
1: You know, I never had like, I never, I don't know that I ever wanted to race NASCAR. I just, uh, I got an opportunity to, to drive a late model. And then that's really once I, once I drove that late model for the first time, that's when I'm like, man, I would love to try this, uh, you know, at a racing level and at a professional level, once my, my chapter in my professional career of motocross, and supercross is done. And I have an opportunity to try this and it be the right way. I'd love to do it. So when I was a little kid, I never really even thought about doing the NASCAR thing until, like I said, I got that opportunity with Casey Kane, asked me if I wanted to do a late model deal or go drive a late model car. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it.
3: Ricky Carmichael joining Speed Freaks. You mentioned just a little bit earlier that you raced against some of the greatest riders of all time as far as stats go. Mm -hmm. That opened up my mind to, oh, well, who do you think is one of the greatest riders ever? Let's put the stats aside and let's Uh include all these other years that have happened.
1: Yeah. um, So, so many great riders. Obviously, you, you go with guys that have won a lot, won a lot of championships uh you know there's so many guys that uh win a lot of races but and then there's guys that don't reach their true potential guys that do reach their t- true potential so when you really for me when i look into things i'm wondering like okay did they accomplish what they were supposed to did they not accomplish what they were supposed to uh, but there's so many great riders i think in all disciplines of not i should say racers whether it's IndyCar, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's F one, whether it's moto GP, whether it's supercross motocross, you name it. I think, you know, in, in each discipline, there are fantastic racers and some guys are better at certain disciplines than others. Some guys are better on certain tracks than others. Um, I, I, I think so. I mean, obviously you have the anomalies of guys that are, are multi multi-time champions like three four time five time champions in certain discipline you think of jimmy johnson you know you think of schumacher you think of mcgrath you think of everts you know guys like that i mean uh Villapoto, guys that have won like i said three four you know five championships in their respected uh, discipline that's pretty that's pretty dang sporty
0: <laughs> ricky carmichael here in the freak nation and the history that we have with carmichael is fan freaking fantastic. we don't need to get out in the weeds and that but carmichael i was going through some old video that i had when i was anchoring sports in los angeles and i believe this when were you 19 what year was that 90 uh it was
1: 1999 i believe yeah
0: all right well i was doing a feature on mcgrath uh-huh and Look at this little redhead that's inserted in this piece with uh, Jeff Emig. This is just a portion of it. You know, and as a rider, I mean, you know, you try to take somebody away from their game, you know, just like he's going to try to do to me and Ricky. And the Ricky he's talking about? Well, it's 19-year-old phenom Ricky Carmichael making his 250 Supercross debut tomorrow night. You got two old guys pushing 30, man. You've got a 19-year-old coming in here. What are you going to do to get these guys off their bikes?
1: Well, if they're in front of me, somebody's going to have – jeff and jeremy's bike in their lap <laughs> just kidding uh i don't know it's just you know it's like everybody's been thinking you know this is jeremy's jeremy's hometown and uh he's gonna be tough yeah ricky's being kind of modest right now he knows he's better than that and
2: uh you know i've seen him ride and everyone has seen him ride and, he, and he's a tough competitor i hope saturday night i can smoke him <laughs> but but uh there's always that chance that he's gonna smoke me
1: dude you got you got to you got to uh, you got to send that clip to me. Uh, you got to text that to me. If, if you will give me the rights to that, that would be awesome. So one thing, like I always felt bad for McGrath after the fact, when I, I kind of went through this, when Pastrano was coming up because he was like the guy was like, Oh dude, this is a guy that's going to knock you off. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, like let, let the man just like get, get a couple races under his belt and let, let's let see what he can do and we'll see what happens. And, I never really realized probably what MC was going through until until then. I can't imagine how sick and tired he got of hearing oh RC's coming, you know, that that Carmichael kid, he's coming, he's coming and look dude, it took me I didn't do it till my 3rd year of, of of trying. So he got the, uh, in my opinion, he got the last laugh, especially in 99 um, and, and then 2000 uh, for sure. So uh, that, that was some good times. Now, listen, uh, my old teammate at the time, Jeff Emigan, and he's a dear friend of mine still to this day. He, uh, he used to, dude, he used to haze me so bad. He did it when I was in the 125 class in 1997, and then that was my rookie debut in the premier class, and he used to haze me then. Where
0: is Jet Lawrence on the rookie Carmichael Level of riding and what he could do.
1: Oh, riding! Oh, he's ten times more talented than 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 I was, without a doubt, and it's no mistake about it. I wasn't.
2: uh, I'm not going to let you get away with that, That dude. He's got wait. No,
1: when I say when I say more talent, we could he could get on a motorcycle and do things way easier than I could. Whether it's doing a wheelie, I mean, he's just dude. He's talented. I mean you get him on a bicycle and he's doing all kinds of crazy things you're like holy crap i can't do a wheelie on a bicycle without rolling over backwards so as far as just natural born talent that's where he is uh he's just so incredible so for from a bike skills standpoint he's um, he's he'll blow me away now as far as the competitive scale in the grit and determination I, I, I would challenge him in, in that area. I, I sure would, but as far as bike skill goes, uh, dude, he's got me, he's got me beat hands down. But what is what's incredible is that someone who has as much talent as he does, and I've seen this, I've witnessed it, I've heard it, I've talked to him about it, he's still scared to win, uh, lose at times. And when you have someone who is scared to lose, that's a dangerous combination. Again, Ricky Carmichael, uh, our opinion, the
0: goat. When it comes to two wheels, everything on two wheels, Ricky Carmichael here in the freak nation, buddy. It's, um, it's never too often. I mean, if you rolled in here every weekend, man, uh, it, it wouldn't be enough.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you guys. Uh, having me on. It, it's been an incredible ride with you guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not on as much as I, that I would like to be. We need to make a habit of uh, um, um, getting together a lot more often, but uh, I'm, I'm proud of you guys and how well you've done, how successful you've been with, uh, with uh, uh, the Freak Nation and the fan base that you've uh, created. You guys do a great job and your results speak for themselves and it's an honor to be on the show today.